Thanks for joining us for this episode of 13. We have a lot to get to before the episode begins today, so I'm going to talk pretty quickly. If uh, I trip over my words, please forgive me. I know that we're all friends here, so I'm sure that you will. Um, Just a little heads up, I'm going to trip over my words a bit. So let's get started. We wanted to start off by thanking everyone that sent us their receipts for donations to racial justice organizations in the last month. Please keep up that work and consider continuing to give. We also want to thank a new patron. Welcome to Sarah Petrovic. Patrons get access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord, where you can chat with us about the show or whatever else is on your mind. Lately, we debated whether mermaids are fish or mammals, and whether those bones that I found in my backyard looked like they were human. We're pretty sure they weren't. You'll also get access to bloopers, behind-the-scenes audio. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash 13 pod, and there'll be a link below in the show notes. This month's episode is definitely not safe for work. Now, you might be thinking, oh, they're going to mention something vaguely sexual and it'll be fine. My friends are cool. My coworkers are cool. I promise you. I promise you it's not safe for work. So if you're listening around people and you're even the slightest bit unsure, please wear some headphones. I promise it's a good idea. We also want to announce that we have merch now. You'll find a link to our Redbubble account in the show notes below for fun shirts, mugs, and they offer all kinds of products, so you can even get a shower curtain if you want. I don't know if you want that, but you can get it if you do. We have been places this month, figuratively speaking, not literally. We've literally gone nowhere because the world is trying to kill us, but we have made appearances on uh, a few different podcasts, and we want you to check them out. You can hear Brooke on an episode of an amazing and hilarious podcast. It's actually one of my favorites. I listen to it every single week. FMK All Day with Aaron and Elizabeth. Um, Brooke's episode was actually way back on April 8th, and I am so sorry that I'm just now getting around to mentioning it. Uh, Aaron and Elizabeth, so sorry about that. That's 100% my fault that it didn't get into the credits earlier. Uh, Not Brooke's, so again, oops. And then uh, I made an appearance on the Paranormal Burrito to talk about the inspiration for the spooky happenings in our first double part episode, The uh, House in the Highlands. So you can hear more about what inspired some of that story on uh, the Paranormal Burrito. Paranormal Burrito. Sorry, Caleb. Caleb is the host of that show. He's wonderful, by the way. Just a wonderful, sweet soul. I love talking to Caleb. I also made an appearance on the spooky and hilarious podcast, Obviously Haunted, On Obviously Haunted, Becky walks you through a ghost story about a place that is near and dear to your heart. Have you ever walked through a new house in an old neighborhood? Considered whether that local penitentiary or maybe the entire East Coast of the United States is haunted, it definitely is. Check out Obviously Haunted to find out. And now I have talked fast and we have still gone way too long before we uh, got the show started for you. So won't let that happen again next month. Had a little housekeeping to catch up on. Here we are. Now, here comes the show. Sometimes I dream about my father. It doesn't happen very often. Once every few years usually when things aren't going so well. My dad and I didn't get the chance to know each other as adults. He died when I was in my early 20s, almost 15 years ago. We weren't that close. We never really confided in each other. So that's why it's strange that in my dreams, we're like old friends. I'll fall asleep and I'll just find myself hanging out with him, talking about whatever's going on in my life. He doesn't say anything, he just sits and listens while I let it all out. Nothing like that would have ever happened in real life, at least not back then. Like I said, we didn't have the chance to get to know each other as adults. But if he'd lived longer, or if I'd grown up sooner, I don't know. I've had a few of those dreams lately, and it's right on cue because things definitely feel out of control. 
My brother's been missing. It feels like yesterday and forever ago, all at the same time. It was late. My wife and I were settling in for bed, the night that his wife Vanessa called from North Carolina. She asked if I'd heard from him. I hadn't. She told me that Danny, that's my brother, she told me that he had left the house sometime the night before, and he hadn't come home. Now, I'd known Vanessa since we were kids. We grew up on the mainland, just across from the barrier islands. I'd moved away, but she and Danny had never lived anywhere else. And I could tell by her voice that this wasn't a dispute between a married couple. It wasn't my brother getting a drink after work and not checking in. This was serious. She'd been trying to call him all day, and he wasn't picking up. She called everyone who could possibly know where he was. No one knew anything. His phone started going to voicemail a few hours ago, and she didn't know what to do. She tried the police, but they couldn't officially do anything until he'd been missing for 24 hours. But, unofficially, the dispatcher said that they'd keep their eyes open for him. The next morning, he still hadn't come home. She went to the station to formally report him missing. The island was empty. The tourists and beach house occupants were all gone for the season. The mainland, where everyone who worked on the island lives, it was dead too. At the same time that she was at the station making the report, when the sun was just coming up over the water, an island patrol officer pulled up behind his abandoned pickup truck, parked on the south end of the island. But no sign of him. That was months ago. There was no activity in his bank account, no activity on his phone. Early on, I started losing focus at work. I was distant at home. I had this overwhelming urge to get in the car and drive the 10 hours to the island to look for him myself. Not that it would have done any good. Weeks passed and... I slowly began to accept that my brother wasn't coming back. And everyone else. My sister, my mom, Vanessa. We all came to accept that in our own time. It's been almost a year ago now. And nothing has changed. Vanessa finally made the call. She decided that now was as good a time as any to have a memorial. And, to the extent we could, to bury my brother. Or at least, to bury the thought of him. Since Danny went missing, my wife and I have been having problems. We've been having trouble before then, but we'd been able to mask it or rationalize it away. But we weren't able to do that anymore. We haven't known how to talk to each other for a long time. Last week, when I told my wife that Vanessa had finally made the call, she didn't know what to say as she watched me from across the room while I teared up and excused myself to the bedroom. I could see that she was sympathetic I could see that she wanted to help. But she didn't say a word. She didn't know how to help. And I didn't know how to be vulnerable anymore. I got the time off work and packed up for the 10-hour drive. My wife wasn't coming with me. Another sign of how broken we were. But it was kind of a relief, honestly. I wanted my wife to be there with me, of course I did. 
but I don't know that I could handle all that tension on such a long car ride. So I guess that's why I had one of those dreams last night. The ones where I'm just talking to my dad. Talking out whatever it is that makes me feel out of control. And if I were a better husband, I'd wake up and I'd have that conversation with my wife, but... I guess I'm not. The next morning, I set out for North Carolina. I stopped by the little market and deli in my neighborhood. It was run by a husband and wife. They always seem to have it together. But she died a few months ago. And I could see how it changed him. And I wondered if I'd changed like that too. A shadow of the lively, loving man that I was when we first met. On the highway, it rained most of the day. I've made this drive so many times that I know the route from memory. And that's good because I was distracted and deep in thought, scanning the highlights of Danny's life in my mind. I hadn't allowed myself to do this yet, to think of him in the past tense. But now it was really real. And I was thinking about how I should have been more proactive about staying in touch. Thinking about how he only got this far in life. 36 years. That's all he got. No matter how long I live, if I'm 70 or 80 years old, he'll always be back here, frozen in time. I don't know if you've ever spent time on a tourist island during the off-season. As a kid, it's the best and the worst of worlds. You and your friends have an entire island and the mainland tourist town all to yourselves. But there also isn't much to do. So, you learn to make your own fun. And we did. My dad was a contractor. He upgraded and remodeled beach houses. The houses on the island were expensive. So when they change ownership, the new owners can afford to put their own personal touch on the property. Every few years when hurricanes came through, those were the years when money was good. But dad would be out from before dawn until after dark for months on end. And when we were old enough to join him on the work site, so were we. When we finished high school, Danny went to work full-time with my dad, and I went to college. Dad was happy that I was going to school, but a little disappointed that I didn't want to stay with the family business. But I didn't want to spend my life fixing up someone's second or third home. It's not bad living. It just wasn't for me. But that was exactly what Danny wanted. And a couple of years later, when Dad passed... Danny took over the business. And that's what he did for the rest of his life. It's getting dark now, and I've been driving all day. I'm almost to the coast, and the rain is finally tapering off. My window down, the smell of musty ocean air blowing in on the wind. I'm getting close. One more long, wide turn on the highway, and up ahead I can see the bridge approaching. Lit up with street lights, it arcs upward and glides to the right in mid-rise. There are no other cars in sight. As the road begins to rise up and the land below me gives way to water, I imagine what it would be like to lose control of my car. To feel helpless as I cross the white line. To crash through the barrier. That moment of weightlessness. Watching the front end tip downward toward the black water. Gripping the wheel tight. 
The water rises up to make contact. At impact, the windshield vaporizes, a cascade of glass in my face, a thousand points of impact. I snap out of it as the bridge ends, putting me safely on solid ground. And just like that, I'm back home. The next day was a long parade of family and family friends. People from my past, asking how I'd been and how I was holding up. My mom was a wreck, so was Danny's wife. My sister arrived late last night, and the two of us ran interference for most of the day, handling whatever details we could. When the day was over, we were exhausted. But I needed to decompress, and so did she. My sister and I weren't close as kids. Me and Danny were closer. But as adults, she and I had started to bond more. And Danny? Danny kind of grew away from both of us. After the second drink, she went back to the hotel to call it an early night. But I wasn't quite ready to turn in. I took a little walk around the island. It was warm despite the time of year. The sun had been down for a little while. There was a cool breeze coming in off the water. I didn't have a particular destination in mind. The layout of the island was simple. It was long and narrow, miles long, and maybe a hundred yards at its widest point. The streets were all the same, but the houses had changed in the years since I'd been here. I still remembered everyone that I'd worked on as a kid, and most of them had been rebuilt or remodeled, undoing the work that we'd so carefully and thoughtfully done all those years ago. New paint colors, new windows, adding or rebuilding a deck. It was inevitable, but it doesn't make it feel any less like a loss. I wondered which houses Danny had done since I'd been gone. I looked for telltale clues in the workmanship, but had no success. It's been a while since I'd been on a job site, but I'll always be a construction worker's son. I noticed lightning on the horizon, far out over the ocean. I found an access point to the beach, and I took off my shoes, making my way out onto the sand. Another flash on the horizon, and a little uptick in the breeze from the water. Something about watching lightning over the ocean. Nothing makes you feel smaller or insignificant. Looking out at what feels like the edge of the world. The vast emptiness. You know there's a continent far, far away across that water but it feels impossible from where you stand. Under a cloudy night sky, the darkness on the ocean is unrelenting and complete. Another flash, and I thought I saw something. No. Someone. Down the beach a little. She was young. Way too young to be out here alone and she was walking toward me. Another flash drew my attention out to the water, and I lost track of her. I strained to find her again, afraid she might wander into the water. What was a little girl doing out here, all alone, during the off-season? And then a different kind of light, brighter and closer, right into my eyes. A flashlight. Sir, I'm sorry, but the beach is closed. You'll need to go up to the road. It was a police officer, island patrol, and she looked familiar. Oh my God, Donnie Pearson? Is that Nicole Strand? That's me. Did you see someone else out here? 
I don't think so. What do they look like? Looked like a little girl. What? Did you think you saw Savannah Webb? I hadn't heard that name in years. Savannah Webb. The island tragedy from my childhood. The cautionary tale. The moral to every story about why you were careful around the ocean. Island kids, we thought that we were invincible around the water. There were tourists every year that got caught in a riptide or had a boating accident. But not us. Not until Savannah. Yeah, I guess I did. So you're a cop now. I guess I should get off the beach, huh? Yeah, you should know better. And I should tell you to get out of here. But if you want to go for a night swim, don't let me stop you. I might even join you. I don't know that I'm up for a swim tonight. Well, if we're not swimming, let's get off the beach, huh? Nicole was one of us. Her dad was one of the only two island police who stuck around in the off-season. And now, so was she. She was a year ahead of me in school. She was the cool, pretty, older girl. Back when a single year age difference actually meant something. She had the easy, likable affect of someone who knew exactly how her life was going to play out. She escorted me off the beach, and then we leaned against the back of her island patrol truck for a long time, just catching up. She knew why I was back in town. Everyone knew. She caught me up on the last ten years of her life. We watched the lightning over the water. She caught me up on everyone else from high school, too. The island is a quiet beat in the off-season. So the cops see where everyone is going at night. It was my wife. She said that she was thinking about me. I told her I was thinking about her, too. That was the most we'd been vulnerable with each other in weeks. Maybe when this is all over and I go home, we can start things again. Get a counselor. Maybe learn how to talk to each other. It buzzed again. Is the funeral still on for Saturday? She asked. I told her it was. Someone important? My wife just checking in on the funeral arrangements. She didn't come with you? Things aren't so hot right now. Gotcha. I'm sorry to hear that. I don't know why I told her that. That's not true. I knew why I told her that. But I'm not going to be that guy. After a while, she had to get back on the job. Patrolling the empty island. Looking out for kids that are trying to get into the same kind of trouble that we used to. On her way out. She told me that a nice night swim can do wonders for clearing the mind. The water feels great this time of year. Back in my room, I undressed and flopped down on the bed. I remembered the name that Nicole said back on the beach. Savannah Webb. The island legend from my childhood. Savannah wasn't just a legend. She was real. I knew her. Her family lived on the mainland and made their living on the island, just like mine. And I remember when she disappeared. There were snippets of conversation that I picked up between my parents and other adults. Savannah had always been mischievous. She liked to wander out of the yard and down the street. Her parents tried explaining why that wasn't safe. But she just kept wandering off anyway. They punished her, grounded her, and she'd stop for a while, but sooner or later, she'd start wandering off again. She couldn't explain what she was doing or why. Her family lived a few blocks from the bridge and the main road that took all the tourist traffic onto the island. One time, she managed to get all the way to the main road before they found her. 
They didn't let her play outside after that, unless both of them could keep watch. They changed all the locks in the house to key locks, so she couldn't open them by herself. They spent their every waking hour making sure that she was safe. But they never expected her to get up in the middle of the night and find one of the keys, unlock the front door. The next morning, they woke up to find the front door standing wide open. In Savannah, she was nowhere to be found. They never figured out what happened to her, but island legend has it that she walked over the bridge in the dead of night. She crossed the island. It would only take a few minutes even for a kid. And then she went out onto the beach. And she walked into the ocean. That may have also been where another legend was born. The island witches. Legend had it that witches drew Savannah into the water. That long ago... They'd made a deal with something dark and ancient. They'd summoned something and it gave them power. But in return, they had to deliver someone to it. A sacrifice. It was a silly kid's legend, but it wasn't just kids talking about it. This was at the tail end of the satanic panic. There were adults that believed it too. And according to them, a secret group of locals, a coven, they cast a spell over her and sacrificed her to the water. The next morning, Friday, we all got together at Mom's house. There was more planning. More family had arrived overnight. There was also just a lot of sitting around and talking, catching up and filling time. I finally met my sister's boyfriend from Atlanta. At the end of the day, the three of us went back to the bar to decompress over a few drinks. I hadn't really talked about how much trouble my wife and I were having. I didn't want to make this week about me, and honestly, it was nice just not to think about it. We didn't stay out as late as we did the night before. It was still light when they went back to the hotel. But I decided to take another walk. I walked south along the main road for a long time. On my left, just past the houses, that endless water. You'd think that as a local, I'd have gotten used to that ominous feeling the overwhelming emptiness when I look out at the ocean. But I never did. As I walked, the memories came back. Something had been bothering me since last night. When Nicole walked up on me on the beach, and she mentioned that name, Savannah Webb, the legend that there was a coven of witches that possessed her and made her walk out into the water. It reminded me of something that happened half my lifetime ago, but took on new resonance now. The day that I saw them. When we were in high school, we took part in an age-old island tradition. As long as there have been kids growing up on the island, they've been prowling around in the off-season, looking for beach houses where the owner left a window open or a door unlocked. And every winter, we found one. We only needed one careless beach house owner, and we had a party spot for the whole winter. My senior year, we found an unlocked window in a house just down the street from where I stood now. It was probably the biggest and most extravagant house that we'd ever used. I remember exactly which one, too. Sometimes, it was just a place to sneak off with your girlfriend for some privacy. 
Other times, it was big parties. And when it was all over, we'd clean up and leave as though we were never there. This night, back in high school, senior year, it was one of those big parties. That night it was unseasonably warm for January. The island was, of course, empty. And that night we drank way too much. We got way too loud. We loved to pretend that we owned the place, that we were the kind of people that had places like this just for the summer. It was a dark winter's night. The cold waves on the beach louder somehow than they should be. A misty rain settled in over the island. The next morning was when it happened. Something woke me up early. And there were people sleeping on the couch and on the floor. On my way back to bed, I looked out the window toward the water. The sun, not quite up, but not fully dark either. That misty rain was gone, but the sky was still overcast and gray. And there were people on the beach. It took a moment to register what I was seeing. They stood in a wide semicircle. There was a fire in the middle, and they were, I don't know, just standing there. It looked foreboding, a little sinister, but mostly it looked like it was happening in a dream. The Island Witches. I'd grown out of believing in them, but there they were. I watched them from the window for what felt like a long time. They stayed right where they were. And then I saw movement. Not from the circle, but from the water. I caught a glimpse of a figure in the waves. Walking, not swimming. Walking out of the ocean. As they got closer, I could make out the person coming out of the sea. It was my brother. I snapped out of my haze, ran out of the house and around back. I scrambled over a row of dunes and onto the beach. There was no one there. I scanned the beach in both directions. Nothing. No cultish group scrambling away, no one coming out of the water. I turned back toward the house and looked up at the window where I'd been just a moment earlier. And there was another face there, looking down at me. It was Danny. I don't know what happened next. I fainted, or maybe I just spaced out. Maybe I was still drunk from the night before. But the next thing I knew, there were people holding on to me. Vanessa and Danny were there. More people wandering out of the house, woken by the commotion that I'd caused. And I still don't know what happened that morning. I was so embarrassed at the scene that I caused that I just tried not to think about it. No one ever brought it up, and neither did I. But now, as an adult, on the eve of my brother's funeral, as I stand here looking out at the ocean, the darkness on the horizon getting closer, I wonder the same thing that I did that morning. Did I wake up and stumble onto something that I wasn't supposed to see? Were those the island witches? Had they come for Danny that night? 
to sacrifice him to the water? Did I interrupt their ritual back then? And if so, did they finally succeed all these years later? Did Danny walk into the ocean? The next day was Danny's visitation. We got to the funeral home early and everything was more or less set up and ready to go. We had some time to kill before people started coming in. It was a text from my neighbor back home. I didn't know you were moving. Are you at least staying in town? I wrote back that he'd sent that to the wrong person. But a few moments later, my phone buzzed again. There was a photo of a moving truck on the street in front of my house. It took a moment for me to catch on to what was happening. My wife was moving out. She'd chosen the day of the funeral when she knew I'd be preoccupied. I felt a heaviness in my chest spreading out into my limbs. I couldn't catch my breath. I was getting lightheaded. I started to text her, a long, angry, rambling message, but my hands were shaking so badly. She chose to do it today, of all days. I needed to get a hold of myself. And then I needed to call her. I could convince her to stop, to unload the truck, to put everything back inside and wait for me to get home. We'd talk it out. We'd figure it out. And I'd get serious this time. I thought of what I might say to change her mind, something to make her stay. And as I tried to think of any reason for her to change her mind, I came to realize that there was nothing there. And once the adrenaline ran its course and I calmed down, maybe I don't want her to stay either. I swallowed all the emotion and went back to join the others. Today isn't about me. The sadness and panic were gone and all that was left was anger. I'm not going to pretend that I haven't thought about what it would be like to be single again. I'm not going to pretend that I haven't looked at other women. A part of me, even now, thinks that this is a good thing. A blessing in disguise. But I know better. I'll get angry again. I'll get lonely again. But there was already enough grieving to do today. I wrote back to my neighbor. We're splitting up. I'm out of town. I'll be back in a couple of days. I don't know what I expected, but I thought there would be more familiar faces. People I knew from high school and childhood. But there weren't that many. Mostly people from the last ten years of Danny's life. Life kept moving and changing after I left. It seems obvious now, but I don't know, it surprised me. I felt awkward, a little out of place. I didn't know most of the people in his life. I guess I hadn't kept up with him like I should have. I just always thought there would be more time. Nicole came through early in the service. She was in uniform and still on duty, so she couldn't stay long. And that was fine. After the procession and the burial, we went to my mom's house. My sister and her boyfriend left shortly after that. They wanted to make it back to Atlanta at a decent hour. When the wake was over, I went back to the hotel. I still hadn't told anyone about my wife. I still hadn't tried to call her. I stared at our text thread for a long time thinking about what I might say. Should I tell her that I know so that we can talk about next steps? Should I play dumb and see if she's going to tell me that she's already gone? No. I went down to the front desk and I got another day on my room. 
just to make sure she cleared everything out of the house before I got home. I looked one more time at my phone, at my wife's contacts. No, not today. I plopped down on the bed with the leftover alcohol from the night before. As I lay there looking up at the ceiling, all those feelings that I knew were coming started to creep in. A complicated grief. For my brother. For the nearly empty home that I knew was waiting for me. For the first time in my life, I felt completely and utterly alone. So that's probably why I dreamt about my dad again that night. Like I do whenever I feel out of control. We were walking down the main island road. The island and all the beach houses looked like they had when I was a kid. But in the dream, I was my present-day adult self. There was a break in the beach houses, and the ocean was right there. It was twilight. It always seemed to be twilight when I dreamed about him. Whether I'm here or back in Newport, it's always twilight, and there's always water. I talked to him while we walked, but I wasn't talking about my wife leaving. I wasn't talking about losing Danny, the whole world falling apart around me, no. I was talking about that night all those years ago. The night we partied in a house that was vacant for the winter. And he just listened. Behind us, I felt a presence. Like we were being watched. Like we were being stalked by a predator that was keeping its distance for now. And then something happened. Something that never happened in these dreams with my dad. He stopped walking and motioned his head toward the water. As if telling me to look. I turned toward the water and then I saw it. Someone walking up out of the ocean. Then I was back in that vacant beach house. Just like that morning, half my life ago. My friends asleep on the couches and the floor. Looking out the window at that semicircle of figures. Looking out at the water. Watching someone coming up out of the ocean. Except... It wasn't Danny walking up onto the beach. It was me. At that moment, I looked down at the figures on the beach. The wind was blowing and their clothes billowed and their hair twirled. I felt someone behind me. Are you coming back to bed? I woke up and my head was swimming from the alcohol the night before. The deep, heavy blue of dawn was creeping in through the curtains. I lay half awake, thinking about what I'd just seen in my dream. Me, walking out of the water. Not Danny like I remembered. I started piecing it together. That morning... I saw something from that window, or maybe I didn't. Maybe my mind added that part later to make sense of it all. I passed out or blacked out, or I sleptwalked. But I don't sleepwalk, I never have. Something happened. Somehow I ended up out on the sand. And when I woke up, there were people standing over me, holding on to me. I remember it now. They were pulling me back from the water. Vanessa was there, Danny's future wife, but they just started dating back then. There was a pretty blonde with her. I forgot all about her until just now. It was Nicole. 
After laying there for way too long, I forced myself out of bed and into the shower. I watched some TV and drove over the bridge to get lunch. I didn't want Mom or Vanessa to know that I was spending an extra day. I didn't want any company. I didn't want to talk about it. I scolded myself for not driving part of the way back, but what's done is done. Around mid-afternoon, I got stir-crazy and went out on the balcony for a change of scenery. It was a nice day, the first sunny day since I'd been here. I wasn't out there for long when a car slowed down and stopped right in the middle of the road. It sat there for a while, and then it pulled into the parking lot directly below me. The driver's side door opened. It was Nicole. Hey, stranger. Thought you'd be gone by now. Me too. Just giving my wife an extra day to move out. Oof. Tough week. Nicole was wearing shorts and a tank. So far, since I'd been back, I'd only seen her in uniform and... Yeah. So, how are you spending your last day on the island? You're looking at it. Well, that's lame. Listen, why don't you get in, and we'll go get some drinks and send you off properly. Don't you have better things to do on your day off? It's the off-season. I'm just as bored as you are. I didn't need any convincing. I looked down at her considering the coolest, smoothest way to answer. So you gonna say anything, or just keep looking down my shirt? So, how long are you staying? Just today, just giving her one more day. Yeah, so your plan was just to sit around the hotel room the whole day? Yeah, yeah, that was the plan. Does your family know you're still here? No, they don't know about any of this yet. Why are you telling me about it instead of them? I don't know, I guess you're just easy to talk to. Okay. So... Can I ask you something? Sure. I had a dream about you last night. Oh, here we go. No, not like that. Um, did you ever come out to the vacant beach houses with us? Are you fucking kidding me? I'm sorry, a lot of those nights got kind of blurry. You sure know how to make a girl feel special, Donnie. Okay, so I thought so. Last night, I dreamed that I saw some people on the beach. And either me or Danny, I don't know exactly... One of us was walking up out of the water. You don't remember any of that? Not until, like, two nights ago. And then last night I dreamed about it, and you were there. Yeah, well, it was you. It was definitely you. Me and you, we spent the night in one of the bedrooms, and the next morning I wake up, and you're getting up and walking into the other room. And I try to go back to sleep, but then I hear the outside door opening. So I follow you, and you're staggering out towards the beach. You were really out of it. I couldn't stop you on my own, so I ran back to try and wake some people up. We barely got back to you in time. You were almost to the water. Your brother basically had to knock you down to stop you. And then you finally woke up. Why don't I remember that? I can't believe you don't. It was January. First thing in the morning. It was freezing. Do you think... Do you think that Danny could have gone into the water like that? His truck was down at that same part of the island. There's no reason for him to be down there. He wasn't on a job. Do you think he could have gotten up that night and... walked into the water like that? He knows the ocean. He's been here all his life. But so did I back then. Could it have happened like... I don't know, against his will? Against his will? I sound like an idiot, don't I? No. I think we would have seen more evidence of a struggle if someone had tried to drag him into the water. Right. Look, Donnie, 
don't take this the wrong way, but kids aren't the only ones that go looking for secluded places in the off-season. Danny may have met somebody, and they drove away in her car and never looked back. Or, if he was sneaking around with someone who was also married, maybe there was a jealous husband. I wish I had more to tell you. But his truck was still running. It was out of gas before you found it, but he wouldn't have left it running. I don't know. But I don't think someone possessed him and made him take a swim. Well, that's a weird way to phrase it. Well, that's not what I thought you were going to say when you said you had a dream about me. Let's get another drink to go. Where are we going? To my place. And this time, you're not going to forget about it. Back at Nicole's place, things moved pretty fast. I didn't expect anything to move this fast, this early. I was single again. But I still didn't completely feel that way. I hadn't got my head around it yet. So being here with Nicole, it felt like a betrayal. It felt like I was cheating. But my wife didn't care. I tried to pretend that I didn't care either. But I know that sooner or later, I was going to feel it all come crashing down. The loneliness. The futility of loving anyone. But right now... Right now I just feel empty. Maybe you could just stick around for a few more days. You don't have to rush back home, right? You want me to stick around? I wouldn't hate it if you did. You better not forget me this time. I can't believe I forgot last time. Right? Because I think I remember waking up that morning, and I thought I was alone. That house was packed. I don't think you were in bed with me. Well, you forgot the best part of the night. So, I don't know what to tell you. Speaking of the ocean, let's go for a swim. That's the first nice day of the year. The sun's out. But the beaches don't open for a couple more weeks. So we'll have it all to ourselves. If we wait a couple of weeks, I'll have to pay you a visit back home. And it's not going to be so pleasant if we have to go walking into the Ohio River. Besides, who's going to stop us? Island Patrol? I think I have us covered. But the water's going to be freezing. So we'll come back and warm up afterward. We can just warm up again right now. I'm going to go put something on. I'll be right out, and then we're going down to the water. I laid back on the bed and looked up at the ceiling and listened to Nicole get ready in the other room. Some time passed. What felt like a lot of time. I don't know when I dozed off, but I found myself drifting back in time once more. Back to that morning. I'm looking out the window toward the water. The overcast dawn. The wind coming in off the ocean. The semicircle of figures standing on the beach. This time I don't watch the person walking out of the water. This time my eyes are on the figures standing on the shore. Their clothes billowing in the wind, hair twirling. And then I watched one of them begin to turn. She looked up to face me, a pretty blonde. She wanted me to come down to join her. A smile on her face, one that didn't reach her eyes. I felt someone behind me. I turned around and there she was. That same smile. But her eyes were black as night. I came to in Nicole's bedroom. Someone was banging hard on the door. 
It startled me to my feet. Is Nicole with somebody? Is she married? What have I gotten myself into? I went to find her in the bathroom, but she wasn't there. I looked through the rest of the house, and she was nowhere to be found. Something was wrong with the house. I hadn't noticed it before. My mind was elsewhere when we got here. There were no towels or toiletries in the bathroom. No toothbrush or anything else on the countertop. Nothing in the closets. This isn't where she lives. This is a vacant beach house. The police didn't believe me when I told them I'd come here with Nicole Strand. They didn't believe me because Nicole Strand is an island patrol. She moved away from the island after college and hadn't been back. I got a trespassing and breaking and entering citation. A fine to pay, but no court date. I think they went easy on me because they knew I was in town for Danny's funeral. Nicole had never been island patrol. So who did I see on the beach that first night? Who came to Danny's funeral in uniform? And most importantly, who did I get drinks with and follow to a vacant beach house? And why did she keep trying to get me in the water? If you want to go for a night swim, don't let me stop you. I might even join you. I don't think someone possessed him and made him take a swim. Let's send you off properly. Let's go for a swim. The sun's out. It's warm. It's the first nice day of the year. After I finished at the police station, I went to the hotel, packed up, and got on the road. I wasn't going to spend another night on the island. I wasn't going to find out why whoever or whatever that was wanted to get me in the water. I didn't want to come to in another empty beach house. This time, with that thing and those black eyes staring right into me. I was on my way home to another kind of empty house. To a different kind of alone. The rain started about 30 minutes into the drive, just about where it led up on the way down. It would be raining most of the way home, too. There was something I couldn't shake about those last moments before I dozed off in the empty beach house, while whatever was pretending to be Nicole was in the other room. Something she said, especially since I don't remember telling her where I lived. I'll have to pay you a visit back home, and it's not going to be so pleasant if we have to go walking into the Ohio River. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of 13. If you like what you've heard, stop what you're doing and leave a five-star rating and written review wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been The Barrier Islands, written and narrated by me, Ian Epperson. Nicole was played by Brooke Jeanette. Editing and sound design by Liz Walker, with assistance from Bridget Howard and Brian Burkhart. Music by Kayla Britchie. Our Patreon partners get access to an exclusive Discord channel, where you can chat with us and other listeners just like you. Bloopers and behind-the-scenes content as well. Patrons to any of our shows get rewards for all of them, including Olive Hill. Just a heads up, we make the credits for each new episode a few days in advance of release. So if you sign up for Patreon and you don't hear your name on that episode and it was just a day or two ahead of time, we apologize for that, but we will get you in on the following episode. 
We're out there on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at some version of 13pod or pod13. Just look for the logo, and we'll have links in the show notes. You'll also find links for the other shows that we mentioned at the top of the episode. If you'd like to submit a story or contact us about anything else, get in touch with us at sandpaperpost at gmail.com. You can find that email address down in the show notes as well. Bridget Howard is that cool, pretty older girl who wants you to go for a swim. Thanks for listening. See you next month. Please keep up that work and continue. Please keep up that work and consider. Please keep up that work and continue considering. You'll also get access to bloopers, behind the scenes video. There's no fucking video. All right. Oh, God. (laughs) My voice cracked. I'm all right. I'm a 13 year old boy.